Welcome to Ling Time Chat. I think it's episode 10. No way, Maybe. really? Are I you think serious? so. Oh my goodness. We've been doing it a while. I feel like I just did nine last time, so it may be 10. I may be wrong, and maybe I just welcomed you to the wrong podcast. Okay, so we know it was at least seven, or at least I know it was at least seven. And if it was at least seven, then that means it was at least eight. So this is yes. either nine or 10, right? A close, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you would think that I would check before I do my welcome thing. It's not that hard to actually check, but I always forget until the second I hit record and then I say, don't know what episode this is. Yeah, well, this is coming out in December, right? So I know yes. that the earliest, earliest we could have started was March, right? Right, so maybe it is nine. Okay, we'll find out. This will be exciting. We, we'll find out. It's a puzzle for all of us. Um, okay, so... This will be good. It'll be episode 109, and the title will be episode 110. It'll be great. Except I haven't been using the, the one because we're not in seasons. I mean, we kind of are, or at least that's the way I always looked at it. But for I guess the podcast? You're right. No, well, okay, okay, you're right. No, you're right. We, I, I did, I did release them in seasons for some right. reason because I attached right. them to the and, the and the whole patron thing. But whatever. Yeah. Right. You're right. But like no in seasons, my head, the, it's numbers. a continuous. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um. So we will call this three different episode numbers by the end, and everyone will be thoroughly confused, and that's the best way to be. Here we go. One oh eight. Let's go. That's one eleven. Uh, but wait, no ones. Season two. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we are in fine form today. And today we have a special topic because um, I realized that someone had asked maybe a few live streams ago about my conlangs. And I'm horribly slow about getting information onto my website. Still, like, don't go there. It's not. So many things are wrong with my website right now. JesseSams.com. I'll, I'll get there eventually. <laughs> Thank you, David. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm going to today talk about my conlangs, about my five that are most fully developed. I am really excited for this, but just really quickly, because I know you have your CV on your website. What if we called CVs Cookie Ventures? <laughs> Here's my cookie much, venture. It would be much more exciting than curricula vitae. Uh, except, of course, in the proper Latin, it would be curricula vitae, right? It would be, but who's proper? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about all of that. Okay, but right. yeah, seriously, I just thought of cookie venture. But this is exciting. I, I, I really want to hear about this because... Um, we're talking about your five most developed conlangs? Yes. Smoke. Wow. Um, I will be learning. And they're going to go in chronological order. So that's exciting. Because mm -hmm. um, that's the best way to go, right? Yep. Okay. So just as a, an introduction to me as a conlanger, because I think most of you don't know me outside of Ling Time Studio slash <laughs> work with David. Um, and so whenever I conlang on my own, just for fun, I do what I call a typologically oriented approach. So in other words, I pick patterns that make sense given what happens in natural languages, but I don't really 
have protoforms or that kind of thing for two reasons. There's two reasons. Um, and by I don't really have protoforms, I just don't. <laughs> I just create a language. Um, so again, a few reasons here. First and foremost, it lets me create for creation's sake, and it gives me a puzzle to work with while removing like the biggest cognitive hurdle, right? Because I don't have to think about where things come from. Just got to think about what I want it to be. Um, also, another reason is because I was that student in my grad school historical linguistics class who was never happy with any of the answers because all of them are guesses. They're all guesses. We don't know. So like, I always got angry at protoforms because I was like, <laughs> we have no evidence of this. We have no idea what we're talking about. So anyway, I was that student. And so I think sometimes I still have a thing against protoforms. Question, because I'm Jesse this episode. Um, you took a, a historical linguistics class in graduate school. It was yes. offered. Yes, wow. it was actually That's, one of the required courses. That is really, really cool. I, of course, took historical linguistics in undergrad because it's a big focus at UC Berkeley, but at mm. uh, UC San Diego, there's, I mean, there wasn't even anybody on the faculty. There was nobody who could have taught that class. Remember too, though, that quite a few of our professors were from Berkeley. Yes, that's true. And so there may have been that carryover. I don't know how common it is to have required historical or diachronic linguistics classes. Um, Very uncommon. Very okay. uncommon. Mm. Well, shout out to Erin Shea United if she is ever United. listening because she taught that class and I loved her. I loved how she taught it. I was just very angry at the field. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's how that played out. Okay, it's so nice, that's it's why. It's nice that we're like diametrically opposed. We're complete and total opposites. Yes, but I also wanted to make sure I said that out loud because I know sure. a lot of commenters have made comments about not having the evolved forms and I'm like, I never do, so welcome yeah. to that club. <laughs> do you want Do you want my take on this or not? Nah? Oh, of course, you're welcome. Just a second, sorry, I realized that I'm sorry. Okay. I had to move my leg. Go on. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so uh, the, the, the way that I the way that I kind of refer to these two are as uh, uh, an easy way is either weak naturalism and strong naturalism mm. or or uh, statistical uh, naturalism for weak naturalism. And then, okay. um, you know, historical or diachronic naturalism or I, don't know, I forget evolutionary naturalism, something like that. But um, you can't really uh, say that one is for sure better than the other. Um, uh, the way that I, I put it is that um, using this, the strong method, um, you get more for free. In other words, uh, you have to invent less. It, it just mm -hmm. kind of happens, but it takes a lot longer. Um, and not only that, uh, you're projecting a lot. So it's like, I'm setting this up to get this, and then you try it and it may not work out. And so sometimes it can be less satisfying or require even more work because you have to go back and like undo a whole bunch of stuff that you did that may have far reaching consequences. 
Um, so it, it takes a lot longer, but you have to spend a lot less time thinking about, okay, which ones of these should be irregular? What kind of things should I have over right. here? They, they just kind of happen. So I really like that approach um, because I, I, it does take more time, but I, I don't know. It just feels, it mm-hmm. just feels more satisfying to me. Uh, now, statistical naturalism. Which makes sense. Yeah. Statistical naturalism, I think what we all kind of hit, and that's certainly where I was uh, for, mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, and but basically it's like, yeah, there's no protoforms anywhere. So you're relying entirely on your own judgment and on your own, uh, knowledge of typology or not, or cross-linguistic knowledge, uh, right. to get something that you hope is going to approximate a natural language. Um, and then the one thing is it's a lot quicker. Another, but a, a problem is that, um, you're often constrained by what you've seen. Um, mm-hmm. It's difficult to create something that that you have never seen that nevertheless could exist in a natural language. However, the big drawback for uh, strong naturalism is that we don't know how language emerged, right? right? So it's like at some point in time, at some point in time, you have to stop. And you mm-hmm. either have to posit the origin of human language by yourself and then follow it along that path. Or you have to say, I'm going back this far and no farther. And so then it becomes a like a turtle stacking question and say, well, what do you do at this point? Like mm-hmm. you have to create something. And so what do you do? Right. You're basically stuck again with statistical naturalism or, or something else. Um, anyway, so. So it all comes back. Yep. <laughs> um, so that, those are, all good points, by the way. Um, and also, I, whenever I teach, I teach the, I guess what you would call statistical naturalism. Um, I teach that method to my students um, in big part because I show them patterns that they can use. And also because it's, uh, for a lot of my students, they're brand new to linguistics. And so sure. um, it definitely gives a way to say, you know, like, hey, look, try these patterns out or try something. Um, I think it gives them more structure without having to introduce the evolutionary side because I feel like that is more advanced for many students, um, yep. for all students. <laughs> I don't know why like one student out there would think, ooh, this evolutionary model is way easier than just creating <laughs> form. Um, but that's also how I teach. Um, and in the conlangs that I'm going to be introducing today, so again, there's five, um, the first one I, I created for, um, more artistic reasons, but really after that, the other ones, I was trying out certain things because, and I, I think every conlanger hits that point where you realize you want to try a new pattern, but you really can't introduce it to your language without it just being a muddle of a mess. And so like, you have to reserve it for a future language, right? Like, okay, next language, I'm going to try this out. So a lot of them, I had very specific goals in mind that I wanted to try, like, what if a language did this? Or what if a language did that? And you'll also see that I just have particular tastes in languages because there are things that show up a lot. Um, And I'm unapologetic about that. I like what I Mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. Okay, so are you ready? Oh yeah. 
trying to get my screen all balanced so that way I can have Zoom in, in some places and my document with all of my notes, my like seven page document here. All right, so my very first conlang that was a real conlang is Hyutsaf. And the speakers are humanoid. They really just look human, but they're not actually. Um, and it's all female speakers in a fictional world I created for a young adult novel. Um, typologically, it did, follows. Did, did you write oh, it? I did. Are you serious? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Wait, so we we both like written complete novels? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. I, I don't bring it up often. Do you um, still like it? I do, but I want to rewrite it because I, <laughs> so like I've started rewriting it because I decided I wanted the voice to be a little bit different. It's, and so now it's in like three different stages. I see. So it's not something that you can just email to me. Oh, so I, I could definitely email you Ooh. the original version, the edited version, like you would get half a chapter of one style and then the rest would be totally different <laughs> i i read william s burroughs that sounds fun okay but yes no i can <laughs> i can send it and to warn you though even if you make it through the whole thing it's the first of a trilogy and i've written the second one but i haven't written the third one because i really don't know where i want it to go are you serious okay. i'm serious <laughs> so we've both written multiple novels yes how did you not tell me this? <laughs> I don't know. Um, sometimes I'm a better oh. listener than thinker of, oh, I should say what I did too. Whoa. Okay. Oh, also, I just feel okay. like I have to clarify. I, I'm not, I have read William S. Burroughs. I've read two of his novels and I hate them. So like, they're, they're awful, but, um, but I really appreciate his style, but also, God, I hate them. So like, don't go thinking I'm a fan. All right, go. <laughs> So moving forward, typologically, yeah. it, it does follow a lot of patterns because, you know, I was trying to, to make it natural-like, mm -hmm. um, but there are definitely some less natural features, um, including a very high frequency of voiceless fricatives because um, my goal for the language was literally for it to sound like everything was a whisper, like a, a kind of slithering kind of whisper. Have we talked about how I created a voiceless language too? Oh my gosh. Um, I, no, we have I, not. I, I did it for the White Walkers because I reasoned that they wouldn't actually be able to vibrate their vocal folds. Excellent. So when I give you a sentence in this, you're going to be fine. Um, okay. By the way, for everyone listening, yes, I'm going to make David read for me in my own languages. Mm. <laughs> and but so... Um, now I get the name, Hutzel. It's perfect. Wow. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. There's also a, like almost all of the language is highly regular, which means that's really unnatural. Um, but a part of that had to do with the mythology and the lore behind the speakers. And that's this community that not only resists change, but like it's very much without going full bore into how this society work works. It's very much um, sort of this reincarnation model where the fourth generation, when they die, they're reborn as the next generation. So there's always four generations of families. Whoa. It's so like, I like this. There, there were reasons that it didn't change. Um, it also makes you question because you know that authors always, you know, like, 
write about something important to them. And apparently I was anti-change for a while. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so some typological things, it's head initial word order. Um, so I had a VSO language, prepositional, My that favorite. kind of thing. Mine too. Um, I really like, you're gonna see, I really like the verb to either be the, the first or the last. I really just like that. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so then we're gonna jump ahead because I created this language. I started working on it in 2008. Um, 2009 to 10, it became like a lot more language-like and the grammar just kept getting bigger. Um, then we're gonna fast forward to the year 2013 when I decided to join the LCC5 Conlang Relay. And I was placed in the second position right after someone called David J. Peterson. <laughs> and <laughs> it was of course a Dothraki text. And so I was freaking out anyway, because never met you before. I just knew you were the Dothraki guy. And like, that was before you were David. You were David J. Peterson, all in one breath. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, they put me after him. I can't go after him. Anyway, so I get the text. And here is roughly what I translated that you sent me. All right. And I'm going to read this because I need everybody to hear the full scope. <laughs> what I was translating. Um, so this is not about my language. This is about what kind of text David will create if he is in charge of creating a text for a conlang relay. Mm-hmm. Come to me, my child. You will leave your family and ride beyond the mountain today. But I give this advice to you before you will go. Don't trust a person who speaks with turtles. Turtles can't be burned and they will scare your horse. Eat <laughs> carrots, but only when the moon is full. The moon will strengthen the fruit and you will be strengthened too. Oh, fine. Finally, don't touch not once a tree that bears plums. Those trees are your enemy. They will dishonor you, your horse, and your ancestors. All these trees are totally evil. I will hunt you and kill you if you even look at a tree that bears plums. <laughs> I speak this promise to you, my child. I will destroy you. <laughs> Don't ever touch a plum tree. But plums taste sweet. You should eat plums. Dried plums too. They taste good. Now ride, my child. Ride and scream like a goat. And I got to the end of that. And the very first thing I did was I emailed David because I was like, did I just mistranslate half the text? Because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and this is so bizarre. And do you remember getting an email from me about that? I do. So many years I, ago. I, I do. I don't remember how I responded. <laughs> um, something along the lines of, I don't have the original, so I can't quote, but the message was, the whole point of a conlang relay is for you to use what you think is there. Don't ask these questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I couldn't, despite the fact that I looked upon you as a, as a, as a deadly adversary, I couldn't have been that rude. And so if, if you would like, if you would like a little uh, trip down memory lane, um, I will actually find the email. Oh my God, because you know I don't save emails that old. So this was my memory. I'm very curious to know what you actually said. While we David go. looks that up though, I'm gonna fast forward to, I because I translated it. I, I got it out in my 48 hour leg 
and sent it on. Then I get to the LCC5, which by the way, if you don't know, that stands for uh, Language Creation Conference. I get there and I had no idea what was coming at the end of the day until there was an announcement that the relay participants would get up and read their text in front yeah. of everybody. I, well, really my first reaction was, okay, I'm gonna run away and pretend I never heard that announcement and just never come back. And then I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> uh, because seriously, put me up in front of thousands of people to do an academic presentation or speech and I'm fine. But ask me to read in a language that's not English. Nope. <laughs> so I think I, wow. I think I made it through the first like two lines, and then I, I just went like, "You get the idea," and I left. <laughs> you did. I, I forgot about that. You know, uh, I have to say, I'm really <laughs> sorry. That's, that that's on me. That's on me, and I'll tell you why. Because like at that point in time, like I started the LCC relay at LCC two, um, and then you know we kept it up, and so this was LCC five, and of course all all conlangers in the community know what relays are, uh, but I didn't ever realize that um, I uh, what was I going to say? Um, sorry, I didn't realize that of course somebody who didn't know what it was wouldn't realize how we did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. That, so that was a shock. Yeah, that's something that that's on me there. I should have, I should have said said that. Okay. Did you so, find the email? Oh yeah. Here we go. Sent you the torch. Um, then I sent you an immediate follow up because I left out the word father in the lexicon. That would have been amusing if that had stood. Um, you say thanks, David. I got the text and I'm excited to get my hands dirty in it. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Um, then you said, okay, I never want to hear another email I wrote seven years ago. Cause what? <laughs> Hang on because you're going to hear more. Hi, David. Does the V prefix on a verb make it future tense? If the verb begins with a vowel, first of all, yes. Also, I just want to make sure I've translated this correctly. The father tells his child to never touch a plum tree, but the child can and should eat the plums. Does that sound like what you had intended? Um, and then I said, uh, very simply, yes, on the future tense, semicolon. On the latter, you have to decide for yourself, smiley. See, I don't think that was, that was so bad, right? One more question. Okay, okay go ahead. No, no, go, go on. Go ahead and okay. tell me that my perception is all wrong and we can have a whole discussion about how memory gets, gets, um, colored by the fact that I was so nervous to send the email in the first place that. <laughs> yeah. By the way, can we stop and appreciate the fact that I sent you that reply email at 944 in the morning? The hell was I doing up? Like, right? Uh, wow, that's impressive. You, you emailed back one minute later. One more question. In the title, it has Avesoon, which I parsed as Ave, father, and Oon, ablative, possession. However, I've got an extra S. Is that a plural marker or is it simply a combining consonant? A plural marker? I don't know. <laughs> you, use, you use that with animate nouns that end in a vowel, just an epithetic connector. Thanks for answering my question. And may I say this text is quite creative, smiley. I have my fun with relay text, smiley. So I don't know, that doesn't seem unpleasant. 
Okay, so now that we've read an entire, we are, this is going to be like a two hour episode. We're not even, <laughs> like, which one, but we've read a text message exchange, yeah. text message, no, email exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to see if this works. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it does. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am sending you in chat a sentence. See it? Got it? Okay. I and it's not no it's not beautiful. Stress. What's that? I see no stress is uh are the uh, acute the, accents stress? I added the acute accents for stress so that way you would know where to stress it. Thank you. You're welcome. Everything else is just straight up IPA. So like that's mm-hmm. the only just because I don't like doing the IPA little uptick things. So I just sure. I just do that. Okay, so uh-huh. David is going to read to you a blessing. This is a blessing in the language. Okay. And um, otherwise, there's no punctuation, right? Just as is? Yeah. Okay. And uh, these are voiced vowels or voiceless? So if I were really good at speaking the language, um, everything would have been voiceless, including the vowels. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because it is supposed to be like totally whispered. Okay. Yes. Now, I hope that came through on the recording. (laughs) (laughs) If it didn't, then you just heard whisper. That was that was great pronunciation, by the way. There there Um, were a couple of stresses that were a little off. It's okay. It's okay. Um, some of those are, are compounds, and so the stress is off anyway, so it's good. I especially know because I really love this word, so I want to do it again. Um, that's how it should be. Just like that. Yes. Very, mm-hmm. very, very pleasing um, rhythmic pattern. I love it. Nice. Okay. So this, what you just told everybody, the blessing literally mm-hmm. translates to um, may your tree grow and have four branches hmm. because four is a lucky number because always four generations four, mm-hmm. right? So that's the cycle of life. That's everything. And, um, very big into nature. And so, you know, yeah. that's, that's the blessing. Now, if you changed it by saying, may your tree have three branches, you would be cursing them um, hoping that they'll always feel like something is missing from life. Mm-hmm. Or you could curse them by saying, may your tree have five branches. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, what they're saying is they hope you live in paranoia that something needs to be destroyed, but you don't know what it is. Wow, that is awesome. Intense. There's also a curse. I, there's a oh, curse so. I created that translates as may your daughter intentionally lie. <laughs> because they're very big on honesty and especially from family members and so yeah it's may your daughter intentionally lie <laughs> okay so that is language number one i love it oh my goodness then 2013 yes that was the year um i created a language um actually for a friend uh, who had written this short story and she wanted a conlang and she didn't know if she would ever publish it, but she wanted one. And I'm like, Hey, I, I create one every time I teach my invented class. So like, let's do this. 
And so um, it's called Hurab. It's, it's okay. Um, <laughs> my pronunciation of my own names. This is why I'm making David read for me. Um, but it is the speaker is a translator who wants a language that can express himself better than any existing ones. Cause like all he sees are all the flaws in like the actual languages that he speaks, which are very many. And so um, he creates this language. And in this language, um, some of the things, the linguistic goals that I had to play around with were that I wanted to keep all the sounds maximally distinct. And so especially um, on the consonant chart, like I really kind of avoided some of the, the middle consonants. They were either really front or really back. Um, and it's actually my only SVO conlang mm. that I've made on my own. I've made another one with David, but this is the only one I've made on my own that's SVO. Um, and it's head initial for the most part. Um, I also, excuse me, I also wanted to play around with having um, a lot of zero derivation. So that way there's a lot of overlap between different parts of speech. Um, and so, my own heart, thank you. So that was um, some of what I was going for. And so this is a very short sentence um again fully in ipa and david's going to read that oh wow um that's uh Rebiger. wait i'm sorry that's straight ipa straight ipa straight ipa with that, with that r uh Rebiger. yes and <laughs> i'm like yes um and you just ask do you understand hmm and how how's that intonation i just you know i had to do something so i it kind of going up is that right i i like it i honestly didn't get that far because it was meant to be written and so i didn't think about the full sentential um mm -hmm. pronunciation and every word is one syllable so stress wasn't a matter wasn't well stress certainly not but the the intonation you know the oh yeah no yeah but i didn't get that far so i By again way, written you didn't you didn't even drop a question mark on there no, because it's IPA. <laughs> this is the point where David's about to close his laptop and walk away. Um, just done. Here's another sentence if you want to just hear a little bit more. And this one has my name in it because I was just showing how you can like pop names into questions. So it's another question. Hmm. Ah, this is going to be a little tougher. Um, nice. What's up? How'd I do? Oh, good, good. Sorry, I didn't hear what okay. you said after that. I said nice. I thought you under. It's good. It's good. So you just asked, where can okay. I find Jesse? Mm, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's language number two, not really fully developed. And by the way, because you looked at me funny when I said the name, that's the name of the language. So you can go ahead and read it. Um, stress on the last syllable? Um, no, or first. Hurab. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that's a compound. 
all all of the words were one syllable, but compound yeah. sometimes I wrote them as one word. And because of the way I named files, like I wanted it as one word. So technically it's two words, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no I get it. That's cool. It's a whole thing. Okay. So that takes us through 2015. No, yeah, 2013. So then I taught my invented class again in 2015 and I needed another language. And I'm trying to think, 17. No, 2015, I know what happened. Or was that 2013? I am so confused on my dates. 2013 was not the Hurab year, was it? No, yes, it was, yes, it was. I'm so sorry, right. it was 2015 was the year that I actually was trying something totally different and ended up being a language sketch instead of a full conning. I didn't have time to fill it all out. So I just moved on in life. So that, that year is 2017. <laughs> That's where we get to Gnoma. Okay. All right. And this is the only one that I actually have online because it's on Fiat Lingua. Um, my grammar for that. And so this one is a head final language, which I wanted to play with because I hadn't done an SOV language. Um, and the other thing I wanted to uh, experiment with was an a posteriori language. So this was my first time trying to work from a language and move forward. And I'm starting to question myself again because I think I actually published this in 2016, which means I would have created it in 2015, which means I have no idea which year I made this. Anyway. I thought that you had said 2015. I did, but then I changed my mind, didn't I? No. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. You're fine. The goal is it was somewhere after, <laughs> but before. Um, no, it was 2015. Because now I remember what I did in 2017. Okay. Um, so I'm going to read this short introduction because okay. it's in the grammar too, but like, if you recall at one point I said it has influence from Turkish and you, you looked at me and I was like, it has reasons and commenters thought that was hilarious, but I was like, they need to know reasons. Um, so, so you don't have to go like read the whole thing, um, but here's where my Gnoma language came from. Um, so first of all, my speakers, by the way, were obviously my garden gnomes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because if you don't know, I collect them. David knows, but I don't know that everybody listening knows that I, I kind of am obsessed with cute little garden gnomes. Okay. So in the early eighth century, this history goes back. Yeah. There's a warlike tribe of Goths um, and they may have been the last Gothic tribe to speak the language. We don't know. It's um, a great thing about history, who knows? Uh, and they began setting out on raids from their home territory. So they were originally in the uh, Crimean Peninsula and they started going on raids. The raids often involved kidnapping and arson. Um, they left neighboring vi villages and any travelers in very dangerous situations, not good people. Mm. And one of these bands of travelers that they came across um, was a group of Omani. Um, and so when the Goths attacked the group, they kidnapped one of the women, uh, killing her husband and sons in the process. But what they didn't realize was, was that they had just kidnapped a skilled witch and she was not happy about that. Um, and so instead of extracting revenge by killing the Goths, she turned them all into small peaceful creatures who turned into statue in the presence of a human. And so oh. that meant they would be unable to harm any other humans. 
And so in casting such a, a powerful spell, she transferred some of her magical powers to them. So they did have um, this special power to care for the earth, which is why they're associated with gardens. And the witch found her ravished band of fellow travelers, led them back to the Goth camp and they collected all the statues. And then they ended up kind of taking them with them. Um, they moved into an area with Turkish settlers and the small statues were placed in gardens and lush vegetation grew all around them. So many years later, they had lost a lot of their original culture and language because they were surrounded by sounds of other languages, including Kohani and Turkish. And though the Goths could still move and speak with each other in the absence of humans, their movements were obviously constrained because they're just these little garden gnome things. Um, and so that's good. There's more to it, but I'm gonna skip that part. And eventually a leader emerged. They called for a revival of their own, of a new culture and not the warlike culture they had. And also their language had, had a, you know, changed quite a bit as well. So um, they adopted a new identity. So they left behind their Gothic identity to become the gnomone, a word borrowed from Greek, meaning the ones that know. And this reflects the fact that humans viewed them as only statues, but they had intelligence and wisdom stored from their years of experience as human watchers. And so they used this new cultural identity to name their language and they called it gnoma. And so that is who the speakers are. Do they have sentience or conscience while they're in their statue form? Yes, so they can watch. That's why they're like such good human watchers. So they see everything going on around them. Oh, they feel it, they torture. know it, but they, they can't say anything or do anything until there's no humans. Wow, that truly is a punishment, okay. So they also, by the way, can't die unless they get broken. And then that's how they die. And so some of them are still like thousands of years old and yeah, and that's why like the, the worst thing that any of them could say, like their their version of the F-bomb is break you. And that's like, wow. just crossed the line there. Okay, so I'm giving you a sentence. This one came with a period on it. Um, also in IPA with accent marks to tell you where to stress. If there's no accent mark, it's on the first syllable. Yes, and this is straight IPA, yeah? Straight right. IPA, yes. Regular trilled R. May I hear you trill an R? <laughs> that is very nice, thank you. Okay. Okay. Yadu grabians. Geminated the S, not the N. Yadug Rabians Twai Gumanim. Damn it. No, wrong stress. Yadug Rabians Twai Gumanim Gibmut Zabi. Ah, shit, there was an accent right there. Zabian Waskyaka Yawaitaka Yadwabain. Nice. Yeah, those. I really wanted those Gemini in showing up in odd places, um, but I mm -hmm. struggle with saying it, so it never comes out right when I say it. It has, see, I just want a little bit more practice with this, because usually that's what I do, I guess. But um, 
I feel like it's got a very nice rhythm to it. There we go. That was nice. Yeah. You only needed like twice. You just said, mm -hmm. you just said, a wizard gave two men seeds that would grow into magical trees. Ooh. I it's like a start that. of a it's a start of a fable. Nice. Um, so one of the things I like to do is have fun with like curses and blessings and things like that. And so um, it's really taboo for them to talk about fights or wars among themselves because of their history, because like that's what turned them into stone, right? So like it's really taboo to to talk about it. So they do though have native words. So like. Um, Driyugan means fight, but it's never used because that's their like their native word and it's really taboo to say it. And so if they want to talk about humans fighting, they actually borrowed the word kafgan. And if they want to refer to their own fighting, they use a euphemism, um, ukukyan, which means to make a lot of noise. Mm, that's good. And then a curse is um Gifyongs alyan, which means grow bad plants. <laughs> okay, so that is gnoma. My cute little nose. Okay, Love so it. then I, I'm back on track with my years. I know what year it is. Um, in 2017, I created Gineso. And this language um, really, my goal was to do more work with head final languages um, and experiment with, did I say head final? I swear this was head initial, you, though. I mean, you no, did it's head, head final. final. Okay. It's head final. Um, for some reason, I just thought the structure was different. And I also wanted to experiment with highly agglutinating languages um, that had noun categories, but not noun categories in the way that you have a base and you have fun with it, because I didn't do that. It was more that I um, was inspired by languages um, like Swahili and Haya. And Haya, like where if you want to say like one, you have to know what noun class you're, you're dealing with. Like you can't even say like what the number one is unless you know what you're counting, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So. I wanted to do that. And so then this language is just back to being a priori. Like all the rest of my languages are just for me. Um, and so these speakers live, so the Guineaso, the language name and the people name is the same. They live on an island on an alternate version of earth. Um, and they, when they arrived on the island originally, they settled in a tropical forest area um, because that's where just where, you know, the sea brought them in. Um, and so lots of like big trees and everything. And they actually took their boats and tied them up into the trees to create shelters high off the ground, um, which is good because the, the forest floor actually has many poisonous plants and insects. Um, and once they figured that out, they're like, oh, we should keep living in trees. So this is actually like a tree civilization. They live up in the mm -hmm. trees and like with all the big bridges connecting them and everything. It was great to imagine mm -hmm. what that looked like. Um, so when they first arrived, their, their group is really unified and they have a small oligarchy to make major decisions. Um, and eventually like their, their community needed to be divided like up into groups of people who are responsible for different aspects of life. 
And so like they have builders, expedition teams, caretakers, crafters, and so on. So like they're, they very much know like everybody has this purpose, otherwise they can't stay. They celebrate their mother goddess in an assortment of minor gods and goddesses, all of whom also worship the mother goddess. And their major festival is an annual festival of lights that celebrates how the mother goddess led them via the stars to the island. And so this is this group. And here is a sentence for David to read. And this was my first language with an adjective. See, did have experience with it before, Mandy too. Okay, I think I got it. Chegi bocado ata anufeye omati hedi tayomanas. Yes. Oh, that's nice. Wow, my languages sound so much better when someone else is reading them. <laughs> and this, this this type of thing is easier for me. This type, I don't know. I I don't even know how to define it, but I just like looking at all the languages. It's like, yeah, I can do that one. <laughs> Excellent. This one um, is third person animate subject. So whether it's she or he um, found berries near that tall tree. So mm, just, nice. you know, talking about that. Um, in it, we do have a post position. So this is a, a post positional language being all head final and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and I also did another thing I experimented with was bipersonal marking. And so the verb is the, the final word. And so the ta is the third singular subject. And then yo is the third person plural object. So you basically like predicted many shit almost. <laughs> like I, so I was similar. preparing. I was preparing myself before I knew that uh, it would be a thing. Um, yeah, and like many shapes even originally, you know, had final with, with right. you know, word final uh, verbs. That's so wild. It really is. Um, hmm. It's funny how those work out. Uh, <laughs> so that then brings me to 2019. Mm -hmm. The last time I taught the class. I don't know what, it, like, do I dare try to create another language for the class? Oh. when I'm already <laughs> working uh, with you on so many languages. Um, <laughs> probably shouldn't do it, but like, let me tell you, it's darn tempting because I love creating languages with my students. So, so cool. conlang number five is Wojtinato. Wow. And this one is VSO. This one also is the first language um, that I actually created intending it to be a proto-language for a family of conlings. Um, and so like, because again, with the protoforms, I'm like, I want to know what the whole protoform would have been. <laughs> but but I also, because I, I couldn't have it be like an actual full-on proto-language just because I needed to go ahead and create grammatical features that wouldn't have been there in a proto-language. So anyway, it's kind of a mess, but um, 
that was my goal was I had specific goals for how it would evolve. Um, also, my big linguistic experiment for this one is that this language has no adjectives or adverbs. And so I wanted to play around with that. And this, it was also meant to be part of a, a story. I like to create stories <laughs> for my languages. And so like every introduction to every language I have is like this big introduction to who the speakers are. And so, yes, this one, my introduction. So I was reading one day, why I don't know, but I was reading this book called What If the Earth Had Two Moons? And it's a thought oh, yeah. experiment uh, by Neil F. Comins. Uh, it's a thought experiment about what the consequences of Earth capturing a second large mass moon would be. And so he talks about a lot of possibilities, including like drastic high tides, fewer possibilities of coastal living without engineered planning, um, brighter nights, potentially resulting in different camouflage systems for prey and more intelligent nocturnal predators that rely on other senses like um, smell, sound, and heat detection, more meteoric showers and potentially more uh, meteor impacts, more solar eclipses, and a more complex calendar with full and partial months. I will not talk about how long I spent on trying to figure out what a two moon calendar would look like. There was a lot of research going on. Um, he further states that the new moon might have um, volcanic activity just because of the pool from both moons as well, um, visible from earth. And that would be like a potential source of inspiration for mythical lore. And so I was like, that's my world right there. It's Earth, but future Earth after capturing a second moon. Um, and now this new Earth, mind you, has stabilized since the appearance of the second moon. Human societies have redeveloped for a while. It was mass chaos. Um, and they appeared around the globe, but now they face a lot more competition for land and living space from more advanced predators and things like that. So like it's the new earth is less viable land for living because the coastal regions all get flooded all the time because of the stronger tides. So it's like a lot of the coastal areas just are underwater now. Um, also, the new moon also uh, caused a period of intense tsunamis and earthquakes. So it actually changed a lot of the landscape and livable area anyway. Um, and so these new civilizations are much smaller than anything we would think of as like a, a big place. And in fact, the majority of human civilizations on this new earth really um, like a big civilization would be like in the, the low thousands, um, like 3000 would be a big civilization. Um, but most of them are, are smaller groups of like 300, 400, something like that. Um, so humans are struggling because the hardiest who are surviving must also combat both nature and human inclination to dominate the land and other available resources. And so when they do come in contact with each other, battles frequently break out, resulting in more deaths, which is what they mean. Um, and the people that I created specifically here, the Wojtiana, um, so the language is Wojtiana, the people are Wojtiana. Um, they have settled in old earth's Western Europe in like a hilltop city. And they have technologies kind of like what we would associate with more classical civilization, um, like, you know, more stone based. Um, they have ships made for fishing or food gathering. 
but like you got to be really brave to go out on the sea because remember water with two moons <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a trip um and in low tides, they, they live nearly a mile from the nearest coast, but in the highest tides, the water actually comes and fills up aqueducts within their city. So like there's a big area there. Uh, mainly ag agrarian, living off the land, stockpile food, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but everybody, all hands on deck for survival. And so their word for good is yulong, which literally translates as useful. And the word for bad is nyechom, which like literally translates as useless. This is basically exactly the same thing as Dothraki. Did you know that? No, I did not. Wow. Cool. I told you I haven't watched Game of Thrones, right? Well, they don't really go over that. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but I still have not watched Game of Thrones. That's fine. Sorry. I'm, trying, Sorry. I'm trying to imagine like, you know, season two episode seven and like uh -huh. no the dothraki word for good is actually a cognate or, or the same thing as the word for useful you see and so on that's great <laughs> I um do that a lot sorry keep going so yeah in case anybody's wondering why i tried watching game of thrones but i personally cannot watch a lot of killing on screen and so i had to stop because my hands were covering my eyes so much and they were speaking in other languages. And it turns out you have to look at subtitles to know what's being said. Or just learn the language, come on. <laughs> you're right, you're right, calling me out there. So I'm giving you two sentences for that. Okay, okay. <laughs> I go back to back though, so it's good. Oh, oh is this And stone? oh, second, secondary stress is marked. Oh, oh, huh. interesting strategy for secondary stress. Okay, and that's, uh, again, very strict IPA, so that's a trail. Uvular trail, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. And I even put periods at the end, so you know where this first sentence ends. It's very, the first sentence is obviously much shorter. And for everyone at home, I just want you to know David's staring at it. He'll get there. Uh-huh. Here we go. Uh, mm -hmm. Damn it. No, no, that wasn't the best spell. So, uakladen allelat ret. Yes, there, that was a better vowel. Faiden itove yifeen swa adze Mugwe Unionau Ixide Dezu Adzeto Tiavi. Wonderful. And you just said a tree grows in a field. She believes that she herself possesses strength because of this, for branches are near the sky goddess. Nice. Um, nice. A start of a fable. I like to write mm -hmm. fables. This is um, a very consistent vibe, and I am here for it tell you I have my certain tastes mm -hmm. so one of the things that like that makes me laugh most about this language in terms of what I like built into it because the society right like they're really concerned just about their own survival and so in thinking about like if you're super concerned about making sure that your community can survive um, they definitely treat 
finding and keeping mates very differently. And so like, it's really bizarre for one for to, to have um, monogamous relationships because the whole goal is like you populate with like the the best people we can so that way very very much like survival of the fittest very the postman um, so, but like that also means that there's there's a lot of siblings or half siblings floating around right and so I created a way that's like based on their word for sibling that essentially the way you hit on someone is to ask, are you my sibling? Mm. And like, if they're, if they're not interested, the answer is to um, essentially say a phrase that would translate as probably. So like, go on. Mm -hmm. um, or if you're interested, the follow-up question is, um, who are your parents? And so then you would compare parent names to make sure. <laughs> but that just kind of cracked me up the way I like had a whole dialogue ready. So that is Wuchinato. Yeah. And that is language number five. By the way, the entire fable, this tree, and because we have some minutes left. Mm -hmm. um, I actually like this fable a lot. I like it when I delight myself <laughs> with my own writing. <laughs> okay, so she's angry because she thinks she's amazing. She's very strong because her branch is so tall. She's so close to the sky goddesses in the plural. There are three. Um, but she is forced to sway every time the wind blows and that just really makes her angry. And so the taller the tree grows, the more it moves in the wind. And because of the movement, the tree feels she is weak. So the tree tries to um, tell the wind, you know, like, hey, I'm stronger than you. You can't be seen. Why are you annoying me? Go away. And the wind is all like, I can't stop blowing. You should ask the goddesses to give you more strength. And so then the tree goes to each goddess in turn, because again, there's three. Khanyetsu um, says, no, that's one goddess. So then the tree asks Kitovu, but the Kitovu is like not even listening. So that one's out. So then the tree asks Clevuenda, the lady of the sky, and Clevuenda is like, are you sure this is what you want? And the tree is like, yes, it is my only desire. So Clevuenda warns, okay, I'm gonna give you what you want. And so the branches become stronger and harder. The tree enjoys her strength. The wind blows in the field. The tree laughs because she thinks she's too strong to be hurt by the wind. And then the wind blows stronger and the tree's branches snap off and fly away. And the tree cries, how am I breaking? And Clevwinda answers, when you cannot move, you must break. Mm. Dang, that is really good. And you put and so a lot of work into all of this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's wonderful. So those are five of my languages. And I love them all. That's amazing. Wow. Thank you for that. Because especially I didn't know much about the later ones. No, because they all just live in documents on my computer. <laughs> that are waiting to be put into PDFs and sent to me to put up on the other well. Actually, I should give you the, because the Geneza one is really, really yes, you should. brief. But the Wuchtinato is, I should send that one. If it's at least a single page, that'll do it. Oh, it may be like 60. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See? So it's got a few pages. Um, okay, so look on Fiat Lingua eventually. Whenever. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Now I can fill in some of those months. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that's wanted to introduce you to those languages. And there we have it. <laughs> All right. Epi- episode eight in a wrap. That's right. I mean, I call it 204, but whatever. You know, whatever episode it is. Yeah. Did you have anything was, to add? No, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. That was so cool. Oh, man. Yeah, you put a lot more work into these languages than I put into my earlier ones. I mean, I don't know about I, that. I don't know. Only thing that probably comes close is Kamakawi. And that's just one. I, I, or my first language was, was just terrible and embarrassing. Everybody knows about that. Because you talk about it all the time. I know. Why do I do that? embarrassing i don't know i think it's because i want to be sure people know that i'm not like you know some sort of a statue or something i don't know like you know what i mean you're you're no gnomone no i'm like people people need to know what kind of trash i am you know (laughs) (laughs) no i don't yeah no i mean because it's like you know that's that's how you that's how you build first first you lay down the trash it's a good foundation and then you build on the trash (laughs) you learn from the first one okay and then you move on (laughs) and then you put a frame around it and keep showing it to everybody see see I think it is good, though, because I think um, in every community, I think that this is a problem, but I see it a lot in conlanging um, communities is that this feeling of whether it's imposter syndrome or just all out like comparing yourself to somebody who's been doing it a lot longer. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely see a lot of comments that show that it's like, oh, I mean, it's not that good, but and that's one thing that I I hate hearing that from other people. So like if I ever hear my students say that, I actually stop them and I'm like, no, there is no like don't say it's not that good. You're working with what you got. Let's let's work with let's work with this. Um and so that to me I think is important that people get out there like, hey, like my first attempt wasn't the best, or like I look back and I wish I had done this differently. Um I think that's really good for people to just be open about and be honest because it does bother me whenever, especially beginning conlangers get really down on themselves. Um, mm. I don't know. It just makes me want to send a conlanging hug to them and say, no, just keep working. You'll that's get true. what you want. And like your first I mean, one's never the best anyway. So Yeah. And like, and man, the, when I started out, if I had known, who knows? Maybe I wouldn't have kept up with it. You know, I, I I needed that period of you know creating this terrible language and thinking that not only was it the best language in the world, but that I was the best person in the world, because that's what I truly believed. And anything I did was just perfect. <laughs> Obviously. 
yeah like that's that's what i was saying basically obviously uh, you're yeah david j peterson <laughs> mm-hmm. and i and i had been since i created my signature in seventh grade <laughs> which i have to say is really a nice signature it's very thank artistic you. thank you i put a lot of work into it <laughs> <laughs> well since seventh grade that is impressive so are there any mm-hmm. final words that you want to say to our dear listeners? Uh, I don't know. I can never think of anything. Um, I, and, and it's like the only word I always remember from your languages is uh, Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. It always, it always stuck out to me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, okay, well then, in that case, I'll end it on saying thank you for listening, and stay grammar, and happy grammar. Stay grammar. Bye.